Hare Krishna. Srila Prabhupada Kijay. We are going to continue where we left off yesterday reading two papers. One, what Prabhupada said about the spiritual world, and one, questions that Prabhupada had been asked about the spiritual world. But before we begin, I have to tell you something amazing. Which, well, I don't know if it's amazing, but it's amazing, but it's also interesting. That um, Paran Ananda sent me a video. I don't know if you've seen this video. It's it's a woman who is a robot, but in the video, if you didn't know she was a robot, at least at first you wouldn't know because she looked like a human being. So it kind of piqued my interest, and then I went further and it showed a video of the creator of that robot, or one of the creators, having a full-on conversation. And just like normal. Actually, it was quite intellectual. Interesting. An intellectual conversation. And she was able to move her face and you know, according to her mood. How do you feel? Well, I feel okay. And... He was asking her how she felt. Of course, we know she's not feeling. But as I was watching this, I was thinking, this is, this is, it just makes it easier to understand the difference between the body and the soul. Because basically, they created a, a body somewhat, not as good as Brahma did, but they created a body which is mechanical. We have bones. They don't use bones. They use metal. Um, for consciousness, which they didn't create, they have computers with information. But aside from the fact that she's talking and all that, it's just like there's this body that they've created. And then you really see what <coughs> Krishna said, yantra, the body is a yantra, it's a machine. You really, it just becomes more obvious that the body is a machine. And then... Um, another interesting thing I thought, and I wrote a poem about it. And one time, Mahaprabhu said that the, for a man, the female form is so attractive that that just to see a doll or a, a mannequin of a woman—it's not actually a live woman—but it represents in picture form, in some form. And so here is this robotic personality appearing as a woman. And for men, it's attractive, as perverted as that sounds. And there's a whole industry now where they're creating robots for men. Hare Krishna. Yeah. So that was, that was another aspect of it that I wasn't meditating on so much, how weird that is and how this is going to really make the weird, world weird in the future when you have all these robots running around who, are, who look like human beings. And I, I was at an art show once, and a guy created, he, I don't know how he did it, but he, he, he had these, I don't know if it was a full body, it might have been a full body he created, and with freckles and the skin textures and so on, it looked 100% real. It looked exactly like a real person. It was, it was shocking, because you'd look at this model that he did, I'm not sure how he did it, but you look at this model and you, you, 
You know, like people look at Prabhupada and they say, when's he going to speak? But Prabhupada is fiberglass and it's smooth, so it doesn't actually look like skin. It's just they weren't really paying attention. But this looked like skin. And you're thinking, no, this can't be, this can't be a model. It has to be a real person. She's going to talk. But obviously it's not real. So, you know, that, that the world's going to be weird. They're going to create robots that look like people. And my prediction is that people will like the robots better than they like people. And my prediction is that people would, so at least some people would rather live with a robot than live with a person. If, if people become worse in Kali Yuga, and you can create a robot to be as nice as you'd want a person to be and have all good qualities of a devotee, then that could happen. Anyway, so we're talking about going back to Godhead. Well, I don't know if you want to stick around in a world that's being run by robots. Or as they say, if, if the robots are nice, they'll let us stick around. <laughs> they'll give us a place in the world. Anyway, it's going to be an interesting world. And you remember that story in Arjuna. He got a blessing from Vishwakarma. He had, uh, he had saved... It was a forest. Maya, no, it was Maya Donova was in a forest fire. He saved him and he offered him whatever he wanted. Is any kind of technology you want? And Krishna said, "Don't take technology because technology will ruin everything. It, it, you know, it gives us undue power, which will, as human beings with the tendency to exploit, we'll, we always tend to misuse power, and we always tend to misuse power, <clears throat> as we can see." to exploit one another, and to destroy the earth. So now, this is just more power, more technology. I mean, we see it happening all the time. I read a prediction that the next 10 years we'll see more advances than the last 50. And there have been a lot of advances in the last 20. We're going to see more than in the last 50, in the next 10. So, maybe it's an impetus to detach from this world thinking that, you know, life as we knew it or life as we grew up with it is, is so much different, even even for me, just with the little robots we have called cell phones. Those are just little robots. They don't walk around and, you know, they do some things. You can talk to Siri or Alexa or whatever and they'll give you answers. So life is so different and just it's, I don't know. I don't know if you want to be around. I mean, to preach, of course. That's also going to be interesting. Will we have robot preachers? They know the sh Why should you preach? Because the robot knows every verse and every Shastra. Can't answer any question. Can answer questions you can't ask. Hmm, that's going to be interesting. Can the robot go back to Godhead? No. There's nobody to go back to Godhead. All right. So... I just wanted to say that it was interesting. And if uh, I think it's interesting to watch it, if you just human-like robot, it's a it's a woman. They also created one. I saw they created one in Japan and they created one in China. The China one is more advanced because the body, the arms can move, and she looks um, she looks really um, almost real. But another interesting thing is this 
this one that I saw that Parm sent was, her name is Sophia. And Sophia is actually a citizen in Saudi Arabia. She's the first robot. They made her a citizen. Well, you know, they don't have to eat. They're probably expensive when you buy them, but you don't have to feed them. So it's going to be interesting. And maybe people won't want to have kids. They'll just have robots. Maybe they'll have robot kids, and they'll be really obedient, and you don't have to feed them, and they can work for you, and who knows? It's going to be... Then maybe there'll be legislation. You're exploiting your robots. This is not fair. You're, you have kid robots, and you're making them work, and there's a law against... I mean, who knows how weird the world's going to be? Yeah. Hare Krishna. All I can say is, Hare Krishna. I think that's all we need to say. But it's like in the Gita, you know the verse where Krishna says they'll, they'll do horrible works meant to destroy the world. And Prabhupada said, well, that indicates the creation of atomic bomb because it could destroy the world. But if, if you don't destroy it with a bomb, you could destroy it in other ways. And so... You know, if you give too much knowledge to the wrong people, it becomes destructive. So it's it's like better we live simply and we don't have the knowledge because we can't use it. And actually, even if we had the knowledge, if we're devotees, we wouldn't really be interested in it. And a lot of the things that we use, Prabhupada said, we... If we didn't need it for preaching, we certainly wouldn't use it personally, and we wouldn't. And he, he said, they said, but Prabhupada, you know, with because we have airplanes, we can travel and we can preach around the world. And Prabhupada said, yes, we utilize it. He said, but we wouldn't create airplanes. We wouldn't engage in industry like of, of this sort because it's it's destructive. Said, but if they do it, it already exists. We'll use it. But we, it's not. Our philosophy is not to create it. Our philosophy is to live simple. Simple. So I think the creation of a robot maybe it'll make life simple, but the creation of it is quite complicated. And and we know the double-edged sword that when you try to make something simple, there's also another side. Like with our phones, it's made life more simple, but it's also created. It's also distracted us. Um, people, some people are addicted. Uh, pornography is available on phones. Young boys are becoming addicted. You know, so it has the other side. It all so Prabhupada generally wasn't. He was not into that. He didn't see it necessary. And I think he. I think he saw it as a, a deviation. And you might know that story. It's. It's kind of. It's. It's very interesting and it's funny. But there was a machine called, it's not a fax machine, it was called a teletype. It was before fax. Basically, teletype, this is like 70s technology. Teletype was like, it was, you could say it was the precursor to the fax machine and precursor to email. And email was, when email came out, and I think I started using it in the early 90s. And so prior to that, it was fax, and then 70s, or maybe late 60s, 70s, was this teletype machine. And basically, it was a typewriter that was hooked up to a phone, and you would have to have another teletype. So you would type, 
<coughs> excuse me, you would type and send it, and then this other typewriter would print out, it would just type it, basically, as far as I know, I never saw one in action. As far as I know, it would type, the other machine would type, and it would type out what you typed on a piece of paper so you could read it, then type it on a screen. They didn't have screens. So they got they got one. I think Spiritual Sky Incense was a devotee company that was formed to support. It was supporting the temple, and they got the machine, and they were proud of it. You know, like, look at Prabhupada. We have this business. It's successful, and... We've got this new equipment. You know, they were using computers then also, some form of computers. And we have this teletype. And Prabhupada wasn't impressed. And he said something so prophetic. Because because Prabhupada's, Prabhupada was okay with mail. He didn't even use telephones. He, he just worked with mail. Like, you know, if Prabhupada's in India, and you, I think it would take 10 days or a week or so to get the letter. So he was okay with a week or 10 days in correspondence, if you could imagine, you know. It's kind of interesting to think about, isn't it? Like, you're writing me a letter. You're not going to get a reply for... If, it, if you're in America, a few days. If you're in Europe, a week, or in India, maybe longer. So when he saw the machine, he said, he wasn't impressed. And he said, he said, you'll simply use this machine to gossip. Because it's like, it's like real time, practically. How prophetic was that? You know, Facebook is just an advanced teletype machine. Like it's instant. WhatsApp is instant teletype. You type it and you get it and there's no paper. So you, what do you use it for? Well, do you ever gossip? Uh, yes. All right. Today is a bad allergy day, so I'm going to be rubbing my eyes, scratching my nose, and sneezing, even though I took the medication, which Chai Lakshmi has recommended something else would be better. So we're going to try to find it in America. So... Bear with me, ladies and gentlemen, as I cough my way and sneeze my way through today's class. One thing good about allergies is it it reminds me I'm not in control. Because, you know, if I wasn't taking this medicine, it's possible I could sneeze like three, four, five, even six times in a minute. And... The body's just doing it to get rid of what it thinks is foreign, but it's like I can't control it. The eyes are watering, the nose is dripping, and then I blow my nose, but more comes, and then I sneeze. It's like my body's totally out of control. And it's quite frustrating, actually. And it really, it really gives me the realization how I'm not in control. And it also gives me the realization that when we're in our last days, the body's falling apart and we can't do anything. When we're younger, you know, when there's illness, we go to doctor, we take medicine, normally we get better. We cut ourselves, it heals. We break a bone, it heals, or we put it in a cast or whatever. But you hit a certain point, your body just falls apart and you can't do anything. So when my allergies were really bad, 
it was very frustrating because I I just want to work. But while I'm working, sometimes my eyes are watering and it's difficult to see and I just be sneezing, sneezing. And I just wanted to stop and I couldn't stop it. And I was like, it was like, I am not in control, not even of this body. It won't, it won't stop sneezing or my eyes won't stop itching. Of course, Dr. Vijay Lakshmi will say, that's because you have the wrong medicine. Yeah, it's probably true. But just, just an experience of that. That was my experience. Hare Krishna. Living in the material world with allergies. So much fun. So much fun. Radha Madhava Kunjabi Hari Jeratha Madhava Kunjabi Hari Kupi Thank you. 
together. Something happened last night. Interesting. I was doing some email and I thought sometimes when you email it's just like there's so many things I have to think about being asked and um, not just practical things to work out. And so I thought, well, let me just put on some kirtan. I'll listen to kirtan while I, I'm doing the email. And then I Google Kirtan and something interesting happened. There were no devotees. You just go down the list. It was all this group called Ananda Marg. I don't know if you're aware of that. Kamini, you're probably aware of that. And that we're like talking three million hits, six million hits. And you go down, it's all these Ananda Marg Kirtans. I mean, they're nice Kirtans, but they're not like special. But somehow or other, they got on the list. And then after them, came the Kundalini, the yogi, the followers of Yogi Bhajan, the Sikhs, who become quite, some of them quite popular with kirtan. And one of the things they do is they'll, they'll sing a song, I think they're singing in Punjab. Punjabis. I think they're singing in that language, you know. It sounds similar, singing mantras to their gurus and so forth. And and then sometimes they go into English and they start singing English. I thought, hmm, it's interesting. Interesting. And then after that I was giving class and we were reading the verse, lower than the straw on the street, more tolerant than a tree. And I said, well, that would be nice to sing. And so we had something like this. Because they use very simple melodies. They kind of use folk folk rock simple melodies that are just easy. So something like lower than the straw in the street. More tolerant than a tree. Ready to give all respect to others. Not respecting anything for myself. I mean, there's other ways you can do it, but I was doing another way, but then it was just a melody of knock knocking on heaven's door.
So they do kirtans like that, and I thought, I thought, and, and there were lots of people there, lots and lots of people there that were either new or practicing, and, and then they'd go, you know, then they'd, you know, be like, something like that, and then they'd go into English, and I thought, that's nice. That's nice. Got me, got me going. What do you think? problem is it's knock knock on heaven's door. Knock knock on heaven's door. Anyway, I think. Or maybe it's... We could change it. Lower than a straw in the street. No. Anyway, they use very simple melodies, melodies like that, like chord progressions that have made millions of hit songs. I thought that's so nice, and everybody was singing it. You know, was singing whatever they they sing like you know songs about togetherness and like that. But if you you know if you go into our philosophy, there there's so many things. You know, see Krishna, who once sees me everywhere, sees everything. I'm never lost, never lost to him. He's never lost to me. Little mantras like that. You know, if you see me everywhere. Everything in me, I'm never lost to you, and you'll never be lost to me. And then everybody's singing it. That's cool. I think that's really cool. All the recent concerts I did were all in South America or Mexico, so I couldn't sing it. I couldn't sing it, and I'm trying to learn it in Spanish, and I thought. If I sing it in Spanish, I'll mess it up. We did sing one song in Spanish. It was really nice. But anyway, that's my, those are my big realizations. My big realizations for, um, <laughs> between yesterday and today. Hare Krishna. And I had a crazy dream, and that Radhanath's, Radhanath Swami was rebranded, and we were going somewhere, and he was in a suit, and he had a wig. And I was like, whoa, what is your team doing? And so I was joking with him, because he you know, didn't look like himself. I said, uh, he said, I'm going to give a lecture. And I said, have you heard of Radhanath Swami? And he laughed, and he said, oh yeah, he's bogus. So that was my other dream, because that's something Radhanath Swami would do, I think. Hare Krishna. Okay, I have to get up the documents. 
we have questions about spiritual life and the other document um, in the spiritual world we're going to read from both so Kamaniya let's begin reading from in the spiritual world and you're going to have to tell me where we left off well maybe my no I know where we left off this is from the Bhagavatam, and it's called the Kama Spirit. It's Srimad Bhagavatam 2.3.10. So why don't we start there? And we'll read a few from here, Kamaniya, and then we'll, we'll go to the other document questions. Um, we have Satyarupa is saying, you know, she asked me questions about objects in the spiritual world. Um, today, we're going to read something else. See, the, the basic idea is that you can be whatever you want. Today, we I read and Prabhupada said, well, you could be a flower in that way, you know, if you want to be always on Krishna's feet, you could be a flower or maybe a particle of dust. Or, yeah, so it's true. But but my point to Satyarupa was Prabhupada never, you know, he said it, but it was, you know, it's not generally what the Acharyas encourage. But you could say, but you could be in, you could be in Madhurya Ras in one of those forms, and it's true. So the question is, Satyarupa, what do you want to be? Satyarupa wants to be invisible. That's what she wants to be. Well, Satyarupa wants to be a microscopic insect in the spiritual world, and no one will have to even know she exists. And she won't have to interact with everybody. Hmm. Oh. <laughs> here says there's a there's a movie about a man who falls in love with his computer and develops a relationship, falls in love with her personality. Yeah, I could. I, this is my prediction. A lot of you will maybe be alive when this happens, but I can definitely see that it's so hard to get along with people. I could definitely see that just creating. You know, it's like. Like, why are we so much with phones? I mean, you know, they don't get mad at you. They do what you want. So, you know, expand on that, you know. We're addicted to phones. So how addicted would we, would we be to robots? And if the Brahmins, if the Brahmins were actually controlling the Chatras and the Chatras controlling the Vaishnavas, this stuff would all be stopped. It's like, forget it. Stop. There's going to be a threshold on what you can create and what you use it for. Well, it's, it's good if you use it for military it it could save a lot of lives. And they showed robots, you know, picking vegetables, you know, doing farming. Yeah, that's, you know, and going to places that humans couldn't go or, you know, maybe firemen. Yeah, that would be good for sure. <clears throat> I can't imagine how people develop relationships with robots in advance. Yeah, well, they're... They have sex robots, and I was very curious about this once, and I just looked at it, and it was like it was like the impression I got was it showed a man, and he was standing. He was he was in a sexual act with a robot. He was just standing with his arm around her, weird, right, and talking to her. It was like this is the girl he always wanted that he never had, and you know a, a lot of. 
a lot of what goes on in the material world goes on in our imagination. It's an illusion. So, you know, like you fall in love with a woman, Marco, but the woman's not actually the body, but you think she is. So there's some illusion there. So with the robot, it's just the expanded illusion. And in the mind, it becomes the person, and then the relationship, and it's weird. Um, yeah. Anyway, as Prabhupada would say, these things are going on. Unfortunately, they are going. Prabhupada sometimes would describe something very bad or strange in the material world. Oh, their language is called Kurmuki. Kurmuki, um, the language of the guru. So Prabhupada would sometimes say, these things are going on. Like, just like, like, like to say these things are going on would be like, like we would, you know, you describe something and you go, yeah, this is actually happening. So he would say that, you know. He wanted to read pure sex life, but never did. Okay, so now this is, oh, we didn't read pure sex life? I thought we did. Mm. No, we read it. Mm. No? Yeah. We read that. We did. I'm 100% certain we read it. Yeah. So let's go to the comma spirit. This is 2310. The comma spirit or the desire for one's own satisfaction is fully exhibited in the material world, whereas the spirit of Akama is fully exhibited in the spiritual world. So, it was a very simple point. And what it means is that Kama is natural in the material world, in the conditioned state, and Akama, meaning no desire for sense gratification, it's totally natural in the spiritual condition. So it's just nice to remember that what we're trying to achieve, which sometimes seems impossible or at least difficult, is totally natural. In our in a pure purified spiritual state, we will not feel the way we feel now about so many things. So that's good to remember because sometimes it seems impossible. So the next one is a quote from this second canto, chapter seven, text forty-seven. And this is entitled, Real Sense Gratification. So, Kamaniya. So, Kamaniya, then put up, we'll do the next one. I'll begin reading and then she'll put it up and there it is, Real Sense Gratification. The senses in the material world are surcharged with material ignorance. In every way, the authorities have recommended purification of the senses from the material conception. In the material world, the senses are manipulated for individual and personal satisfaction, whereas in the spiritual world, the senses are properly used for the purpose for which they were originally meant, namely the satisfaction of the Supreme Lord. So this is always good to remember our senses were originally meant for Krishna. They were not meant to be used for us. Like we, we're like his extension, we're like his robot, and he's 
or were his puppet, and so all our senses are meant to be used to give him pleasure. So our senses are supposed to give him pleasure, not give us pleasure. But if you give, if your senses give him pleasure, they'll give you pleasure. We know these things. We know them well, but we don't feel them. As one God brother said, it hits the head, but it needs to hit the heart. That's so. It's it just never ceases to amaze me, the condition we're in. It's like we're, we, we feel a certain way due to conditioning, and so we read about a lot of what we feel being wrong. We shouldn't feel that way, and we understand it. He said, "Yes, we shouldn't feel this way. This is wrong. We understand it." And then, what happens after we understand it? We still feel it because it's imprinted, samskar. It's imprinted within us. So this is this is just the reality of becoming purified. It's like I was, uh, my daughter and my wife were talking about uh, a devotee, and this devotee is very intellectual, and he doesn't he he likes friends who are intellectual. And he's not a frivolous person, and doesn't like to play around and so forth. And he doesn't have a lot of friends, <clears throat> because if you don't like to play around, uh, maybe only you know the intellectuals will want to hang out with you. So I was saying, so we were talking about nature, and you know they were observing, and they were saying, well, that's It's it's just well, they were talking. I said, well, that's just how he is. Everybody has their nature. <laughs> And they were saying, well, if he was a little more like this or that, he probably would have more friends. And I was saying, no, but that's just his nature. That's how he is. We all have our nature. And then we were continually, continuing to talk about it. I think we're actually talking about this morning. Oh, this morning, the Temple in Alachua opened for Mangalartik. We got to go to Mangalartik for the first time since I've been back, which is I've been back since Martin. Last time I saw that, yeah, it was like, wow. Anyway, it was about... 15, 20 devotees there. That was nice. So I think this morning we were on our way back. We were talking about nature is so interesting because we all have a nature. And because we have a nature, and it's our nature, and it's always been our nature, we don't even notice it. It's just how we do things. You know, like, like, you know, sometimes someone says, you're like this, and you, you don't even know you're like that because you're so much like it, you don't even notice it. It's just, you just think everybody's like that or the whole world's like that. So, so we hear these things and, and we think, that makes sense. But we're ingrained in our nature, and our nature is just, it's op, it's, in many cases, it's opposite of what we're hearing in the philosophy. And that's why... It sometimes it's so frustrating and, and, and sometimes we don't understand. Why is it that I just understood this but I don't act it? And he said, because all your software is programmed to do just the opposite. And until that software gets rewritten, you'll tend to do the opposite. So hearing, 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 hearing again every day starts to rewrite the software. So then gradually, gradually what you're hearing you start feeling. Because we act on what we feel. Feelings are what make our actions. And so if it just hits my head, but it doesn't hit my heart, it, I don't change because it has to hit my heart. I have to feel it. I have to see it. I have to, what Prabhupada's saying, I have to actually see it and feel it to be able to act. Of course, if I'm strong, 
I'll force myself to act. That's sadhana. But in the long run, I have to see it and feel it. The more I see it and feel it, the easier it'll be. So there will come a point, this is the good news, there will come a point when everything that's described in the Bhagavatam, we see it and we feel it. That's who we become. That becomes our nature because it is our nature. And right now we're just engrossed in another nature, whatever your nature is, introverted, extroverted, more sense-controlled, less sense-controlled, culture, acclimatized, culturized, thinking in a certain way. So don't worry. Someday when the dust is settled, that spiritual nature will come and then we'll be completely linked with everything in the Shastra. It'll be who we are. Okay, that was a word of encouragement. I hope it was encouraging. Such sensual activities are natural and therefore sense gratification and therefore sense gratification such sensual activities are natural and therefore sense gratification there is there's a word missing. This is from the Veda base. It may have been typed in wrong. Such sensual activities are natural and therefore sense it should be in. In sense gratification there is uninterrupted and no, there's a there that shouldn't be. And therefore, sense gratification is uninterrupted and unbroken by material contamination. What? What's wrong? My head's not working. Such sensual activities are natural, and therefore, sense gratification there is uninterrupted and unbroken by material contamination because the senses are spiritually purified. Hmm. Spirit, well, let's go back further. Um, in the material world, the senses are manipulated for individual and personal satisfaction, whereas in the spiritual world, the senses are properly utilized for the purpose for which they were originally meant, namely the satisfaction of the Supreme Lord. Such sense, sensual activities are natural, and therefore, sense gratification, and therefore, sense gratification, there is uninterrupted and unbroken something's wrong, by material contamination. Because the senses, and therefore, it should be what? In spiritual, in spirit, spiritual, therefore, spiritual sense gratification is uninterrupted and unbroken by material contamination because the senses are spiritually purified. And such satisfaction of the senses is equally shared by the transcendental reciprocators, meaning Krishna. Since the activities are unlimited and constantly increasing, there is no scope for material attempts or artificial arrangements. <laughs> Excuse me. Such happiness of transcendental quality as Brahmasokyam, which will be clearly described in the fifth canto. So let's read one more, and then we'll go to the next document. This is just basic philosophy, as I said, and it'll get more complicated. As we go on, we're going to we'll, we'll, we'll go through the shastras, and then we'll get <clears throat> to Brihad Bhagavatam Rita, which describes more about the spiritual world, and um, it'll you know I think we need to study it slowly. So as it becomes start to become a little esoteric, it won't be as esoteric. And so this is called enjoy like the Lord. 
This is from Bhagavatam, second canto, tenth chapter, verse twelve. These are purports. The jivas, the living entities, are mentioned in Bhagavad Gita as the Lord's superior nature or para prakriti, and so also it is mentioned in the Vishnu Purana. Therefore, the living entities are never the purushas or the factual enjoyers. As such, the spirit of enjoyment by the living entity in the material world is false. In the spiritual world, the living entities are pure in nature, and therefore they are associates in the enjoyment of the Supreme Lord. Unless we're pure, we can't enjoy with Krishna. It just doesn't work. Krishna doesn't want us to enjoy with him if we're not pure because we can't enjoy with him and we, we're not enjoyable to him if we're thinking about sense gratification. So that's like the supreme paradox that you try to enjoy yourself and you can't and you just try to you try to serve the enjoyment of Krishna and that's when the rasa starts happening. Everything just clicks in. Okay. Um, yeah, okay. So we'll stop there. I just want to check and see if anybody said anything. <clears throat> yeah, we're lucky we have Mangalarti. There's sense gratification in the spiritual world. Well, this word sense gratification is it's um it's quite interesting. Because the concept the concept really only exists in the material world in a in a limited time space. In other words, you can you know, like you eat, so you gratify your tongue, you gratify your stomach, but four or five, six, seven, eight hours you're not gratified, you need to eat. Or the same with sex. Or the same with so many things. You're gratified, but it's gratified for a certain time. Then you want it again. So when you look at the word sense gratification, it's not really happening in this world, although you, it's happening. But it's not real gratification. It's temp sense temporary gratification. So the only real gratification is in the spiritual world. And those are real senses, and that's real gratification. So, on some, you know, when we talk about material sense gratification, I often think, but that's not actually, it's not actually real. It doesn't actually exist. Have you found anyone in the material world who's not liberated, who's satisfied, who's been able to satisfy their senses? Yeah, for a while. And there's a cost also. Sometimes the cost of satisfying your senses is extreme pain or extreme austerity. So it's not like that in the spiritual world that you have to do all this austerity before you're spiritually satisfied. But in the material world, yeah, that's how it's like. You have to do all this austerity. Then you can be satisfied if you're lucky. So, in Japan, there are some instances of men marrying cartoon character holograms. Well, yeah. It's not legally recognized, but they organize huge wedding ceremonies. In this world of growing impersonalism, 
and a growing need for continual sense gratification. It's an almost local development. Yeah. Well, you're confirming my prediction of the future. Maybe I should write the book, right? 2084. I mean, divorce rate is pretty high. People have a hard time living with one another. Why not? And, and people always wish, I wish my husband were like this. I wish my husband would do the dishes. Well, get a robot, he'll do the dishes. I wish my husband would say nice things to me. I wish he wouldn't complain. Your robot will say all the nice things. You're so beautiful. You look so good. You're the nicest person I ever met. And you'll feel great. And like So if you can have somebody telling you that, and then the result of that is you probably build up your self-esteem. And you think, this other guy is tearing my self-esteem down. And he makes a big mess. And I have to cook for him and like that. This, this robot husband, he'll cook for me. He'll do all the cleaning. You know, Kick this other guy out. He's a bum. So, I, you know, it wouldn't surprise me at all if that starts happening and it's like going to be a big thing and then they're going to, you know, look back and say, we were really stupid to develop AI and, you know, it just destroyed the world and, you know, 80% of the world doesn't have a job. They're all sitting at home with their robots, you know, and kicking, you know, have no relationships. I mean, I just don't see how, if if that's already happening to some degree, like we're seeing, why wouldn't it continue? Christian Karshney says, I'm wondering, what is the difference between nature and being programmed by parents or society and thinking that it's our nature? I mean, that sometimes those who are around us may say we are a certain way, and by that they may program us. Yeah, I look at it like hardware and software. You know, like... Like, we'll take you for an example. Like you, like, you like to be in front of people. You like to be on stage. You know, if you could have a TV show, uh, you'd probably like it. If you had a radio show, a podcast, you'd probably like it. You know, you like, you like to do those kinds of things because that's your nature. I don't, and, you know, if we said... Krishna Karshani, what we'd like you to do is just like sit in the back and not be seen by anyone. That would be hard for you. But for other devotees, if you say go on stage, they'd be like terrified. I don't want to go on stage. We're doing this television, these videos. We need you to be in the video. I don't want to be in it. You know, you know. Let me, I'll just, I'll help. I'll be in the back. I'll hold the camera. I'll hold the microphone. I don't want to. So that's, that's, that's nature. And, you know, you could... In some cases, you could say, well, someone had a traumatic experience and they were on stage once and they did something embarrassing. Yeah, so that would be conditioning. That They're reacting to conditioning. But if you look, look at your life and you say, there's nothing that would have conditioned me to be this way, it's just I've always been this way, then that's conditioned. That's just your nature. And, you know, you can try to, you know, the introverted person can try to be extroverted, and but... Indigo out in Sankirtan, he's very extroverted, but it's not his nature. So when he comes back, he gets in the car, he's just like really quiet. But on the street, and we've seen this, and you've probably seen this also, on the street he's very boisterous, very loud, very extroverted, because he has to be to distribute the book. 
And he gets in the car and he's just Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. He's not even talk to anybody. He's just like super quiet. Which is so you can do that temporarily, but but when you just get by yourself, you then you see, oh yeah, he's actually a very quiet person. Or Radhana Swami, you know, he's talking to you know thousands of people, this and that. But if you know him, he's a shy person. That's his nature. He's just quiet and shy. But you know, you get on stage. That's your service. You know, roar like a lion for Prabhupada. But in your personal life, you might be, you just might be very soft, quiet, introverted, shy. So, and then conditioning, conditioning is the software, the things that we learned, the cultural programming, uh, you know, the beliefs that got implanted. So those things can change. So when you change beliefs, things change. But you have, you know, it's like like Krishna told Arjuna, he said, you're a Chatriya. And Arjuna said, I want to be a Brahmin. And Krishna said, that's not possible. It's not your nature. So those things are hardwired. So, and, and I think that's the best example to answer your question. Arjuna wanted to do it. He was willing to do it. He said, I'm ready to do this. I'll be a mendicant. I won't fight. I'll live in the forest. Just let the Kauravas do whatever they want to do. And Krishna, his answer was, that will be impossible for you because by nature you're a Chatriya and you will fight. You can't, you won't be able to live as a Brahmin. So that nature, Brahminical, of course, Brahminical nature can be cultivated. But still, within the Varnashram system, we all have tendencies. Although Prabhupada said, you want to elevate to a Brahminical life, which, which means... My understanding is that Brahminical live the lifestyle of a Brahmin culturally. Clean, rising early, chanting mantras, doing puja. Wait till robots do puja. Oh, Prabhu, you know, there's no more Bengalis, you know. There are no more Bengalis anymore, you know. No Bengalis have joined in the last 50 years. We have no Pujaris in our temples. So, all right, we'll just get a robot. Hare Krishna. So... Bhaktivedya Purnaswami used to say, you know, the, the sign of a Brahmin is he can do like seven artiks a day and not get bored. He and you know, and read all day in between the artiks. So that's a Brahmin. But we we want to exist within the Brahminical culture, but we have nature. With one of the within one of the varnas. So, you know, if the things that are hardwired are your nature, they're not going to change. Although temporarily, you know, like an emergency, you may have to Maybe it's not your nature to give class, but in an emergency you do it. Your nature is to manage. You're really good at that, organizing. So like that. So we all see everyone has a nature. But sometimes we can see that they've been programmed to think something's their nature socially. You're supposed to do this. Or you're not supposed to do it, and it's really your nature, but you've been told, no, women don't do that, so you suppress it. Or men don't do that, or whatever. That's a short explanation. We could go in longer, but you can think about it. Question from Maria from Ecuador. How can we please Krishna's senses in this material world? Take prasadam. You know, you know, one of the ways you please Krishna is you talk about him, you see him, you hear about him, then you're using all your senses and use your hands to serve him, your feet to serve him. And then, then you're pleasing Krishna. Then your senses are not used for you. Anytime your sense is used for him, it pleases him. 
We are Krishna's robots. We're extensions. And Krishna moves us. That's how we should be. Uh, and the questions about, oh yeah, I added more. I added more, but I didn't send it to you. Actually, I fell asleep because I only slept like five hours and I was thinking, if I stay up and study and I don't take a little nap, I'm going to be like this in class. You can kind of tell I'm a little bit like that, but I napped for like a half hour. And then I got up and I didn't have time to send it to you. So we'll have to suffer. We'll have, I'll, I'll read slowly. Ha, ha, ha. If there will be robot husbands, Prabhupada's recommendation that all men be brahmacharya, all women marry, would be possible. We figured it out. Kamaniya, you must be a manager. You figured it out. Robot, all brahmacharyas get their own robot husband. He'll do whatever you want. You'll be happy. And tell you how beautiful you are. How come we come down from the spiritual world because we're stupid? Or we weren't in the spiritual world Kindly throw some light. That's another workshop, 10 hours. But Prabhupada gave some answers that to this question that led some people to believe that, no, we were definitely in Leela with Krishna, and some people to believe, no, we weren't. And, you know, this these things go back and forth. If you go out of outside of Iskand, they'll say, no, you were never with Krishna. You were in Brahman, or you were in Maha the body of Mahavishnu. That's where you come from. And it seemed that Prabhupada said some things that would indicate that we were with, in Leela with Krishna. And so that became the common explanation in Iskand that we were in Leela with Krishna. And when Prabhupada was pushed about this, because and he was giving answers which seemed a little, is he saying we're with Krishna, we weren't, or... In, we're with Krishna because there's nothing but Krishna and everything is spiritual and the, the whole creation is spiritual so there is nothing but Krishna so you're always with Krishna. You know, he's saying things like that. It's like, um, I was listening to a devotee, Jewish devotee. She was talking and then she said something. Her, her there's an expression, ay, ay, ay. And she said that. She's a New York Jewish devotee. Ay, ay, ay. Prabhupada said this. Oh, ay, ay, ay. I was like, oh my God. So, you know, the voice getting confused. And, you know, several devotees were asking and Prabhupada was writing and the answer seemed like, like a little ambiguous. It was probably saying, we're with Krishna, but there's nothing but Krishna, so how could you not be with Krishna? And the spiritual, where do we come from the spiritual world? Everything is the spiritual world. There is no material world. You're always with Krishna. There is no non-Krishna. You know, it's like, oh, okay, you know, and then and then devotees, you know, they go to Gaudiya Math and they say, well, where do we come from? And they go, oh, we came from Brahman. I'm like, wait a minute. That Prabhupada never said it. And then you look up and say, well, Prabhupada, you find it where he did say that. But then it seems that he said other things. And it's like, Brahman, were you in the body of Mahavishnu? One god brother says, no, we came from Krishna's Leela on the material world because you can't fall from Prema, so we didn't have Prema. And it's like so many things. So this was going back and forth with Prabhupada. And then at one point, Prabhupada. It's like it's like either either 
he didn't want to discuss it anymore, or he saw that the devotees couldn't understand it, or both. And then he just ended and he said, he said, well, whether you're with Krishna or you fall from somewhere else, right now you're here. So it doesn't matter. You're, you're neither in Brahman, you're neither in the spiritual world, you're here. <laughs> so it doesn't matter. It's like you fall off a tree and you break your leg and you're looking, did I fall off that tree or did I fall off that tree? And everyone's looking like, what does it matter what tree you fell off of? You know, I mean, some people say it matters because it's just philosophical integrity that, you know, we should we should be able to understand what our own philosophy is and not make a fool of ourselves. And some people say, well, it doesn't make sense why we're with Krishna because how could you leave him if you're with him? And that's, that's true. It doesn't make sense. And you can't fall from prema. And if you're in the spiritual world, you had prema. And and your mind will spin around in circles. So, you know, that's... My, my philosophy is wherever you fell from, you fell for the same reason. Whether you fell off the 10th floor or the 108th floor, you fell because you wanted to leave Krishna and, and be him. So that's, that's, that's definitely, we can all agree on that. We may not agree what floor we fell from, but we definitely agree that we fell for the same reason. So now that eternal perennial question, how could we leave the spiritual world if Krishna is beautiful and there's love and how could there be envy and there's not yet? Yeah. Granted, <clears throat> that question is difficult to answer. And saying that we didn't fall from Leela with Krishna solves the problem. You don't have to answer that question. And there are devotees in our movement who will say we weren't with Krishna. And the GBC's official paper was that we were with Krishna. And some of the GBC members said, well, that paper should be revised to say that some teachings in our Gaudi philosophy say that we weren't. So at least to be aware, it seems that Prabhupada in some cases said, did indicate we were. It's, you know, we were in Leela with Krishna. He did say that. But what does Leela mean? <clears throat> we're in Leela right now with Krishna. Everything's Krishna. So that's one way Prabhupada answered it. There is nothing but Krishna. So a little ambiguous and this perennial question, how could we fall? How could we become envious? It's really easy to answer and say, we fell from Brahman, so we never were with him, so it didn't happen. And a lot of devotees say, that makes sense to me. But it does make sense. But at the same time, whether you fell from the 10th floor or the 100th floor, you fell. And as Prabhupada said, Focus should be on getting out. So that's the best answer I can give right now. I don't know if it's someone may say it's not the best answer because but I can't I can't deny what Prabhupada said, but he said both things. And there were some very, very senior devotees in our movement who were raised as Vaishnavas. And if you ask them where do we come from, they'll say, We came from Brahman. That's what they'll say. And all the devotees. How can you say that? Prabhupada said from the spiritual world. And they say, no, we came from Brahman. I can think of two very senior learned devotees who were Indian and Vaishnavas from birth 
who said that. And, you know, it upset some people. At least they said it maybe 30 years ago. It was more upsetting. Now, maybe not as upsetting. So taking these things in consideration. It's just interesting. You know, you go... You go to a Gaudiamat temple, say, where do we fall from? They'll all say, we fell from Brahman. Say, well, where did you hear that? And they say, from Bhakti Siddhanta. And it's like, they heard it from Bhakti Siddhanta. Didn't Prabhupada hear it from Bhakti Siddhanta? Didn't Prabhupada hear it from his godbrothers? What's Prabhupada saying? Is Prabhupada introducing something new, new revelation that no one had? So, ultimately, what floor we fell off won't matter that much. But, how we get back will matter. So, Marco, I'm wondering what could be the destination of those who fall in love with a robot or marry a hologram? In what condition of material life will they reincarnate? Well, see, the thing is, I, I was thinking about this, and I think there's some there's some parallels here, here because. Marco, if you fall in love with a woman, you're also falling in love in a sense with the hologram because that's just an image of the spirit soul or it's the embodiment of the spirit soul in a female form. So that's not really here, her either. So you're also falling in love with a conception of who this person is. That woman who's your wife or could be your wife could have been a man in your last life. Maybe you were the wife and she was the husband and now roles are reversed. So... As I was saying earlier, in in material activities, there's a lot of imagination. So, you know, we have to imagine like we're going to live forever. We have to imagine that she's actually a woman. We have to imagine I'm actually a man. We have to imagine that we're going to have kids that are healthy. We're going to live to be 80 or 90. You know, we, to, we start painting painting our picture or writing our story. And when you break it down, it's all an illusion. I'm not the body. She's not the body. The world's not going to be here forever. We don't live forever, only a soul. So we're, we're just expert at creating our own holograms all the time. So, so you know, where is he going to go in his next life? He's thinking of a woman, whether it's a, a conceptual woman or a real woman. He's thinking of a woman. So if he dies in passion, he'll become a woman because that's what he's thinking of, whether it's a picture of a woman, a, t a doll of a woman, a robot of a woman. That's what he's thinking. It doesn't have to be a real one. And that's why Lord Chaitanya said that, that even I become agitated when I see a mannequin of a woman. It doesn't have to be real. Or, or just think. Because whatever you think about has the same reaction. Do you know that? Like, like we have the story of the Brahmin. He's thinking, puts his hand in the sweet rice. But in guided meditation... You can be taken in your mind through an experience, and you actually experience it. You can you can you can actually taste something if the if the person knows how to do it. Say, imagine a lemon. Imagine you're cutting it. Imagine feel the knife, see the color, feel the lemon. As you cut it, juice squirts out. Some got in your eye. Feel that, and cut a small piece. Now take that lemon, and put it in your mouth and bite in it. And if you're watching this. You will see when they do that, everyone's face will go like this. It'll, they'll actually taste it. So, life, Rita Inanamaraj gave a very interesting example. And it's, it's PG-13, this example, I think a little bit. You have that in your other countries? You know, parental guidance for the movie? 
but I, I think it's a it's a nice example because it it shows how enjoyment in this world is is created in the head. We create an illusion of what it is. So he said, if you're sitting in a dark room and someone comes to sit next to you, say so let's say you're a young man, and there's a woman who you know who's very attractive. And you're told that's the woman. All right. But it's not the woman. But you're told. So in your mind, that's the woman who's sitting next to you. Right. And and let's say this woman is exceptionally attractive. And exceptionally attractive to everybody, but especially attractive to you. So now you're sitting next to this woman and your arms on the chair and she she touches your arm and so you rub arms and it it stimulates you because the sense of touch stimulates and so you're thinking i'm i'm touching or or you're told and let's say it's an experiment so hold the hand of this woman and you hold the hand right of the woman and you're feeling some sexual stimulation right then they turn the light on and you turn over and it's a young boy Hare Krishna. There's a video like that. This this woman is walking and she's very scantily dressed. And this, this guy sees her. Maybe you've seen this. He sees her from the back and she's this really low-cut blouse and long hair. And she's walking like a... Her gait is very enticing sexually. And this guy is like... He's just enamored by her. And so he starts following her. He's... He's, you know, just enjoying following her. And he follows her, and then they stop at a, a red light, and then he turns around to look at her, and he's a guy with a mustache. So you're enjoying a conception, and I... Isn't it? I mean, I, these are weird stories, but it's true. We're enjoying, we're enjoying the conception of this is... I'm sitting next to this beautiful woman in my mind, right? And then I'm touching this beautiful woman and I'm becoming sexually stimulated and then I find out it's a boy. And all of a sudden it's like, yuck! Or the guy turns around with a mustache and it's like, oh my God. That sobers you up immediately. So it alters your conception. So I think it's possible that people could fall in love with robots because we're just falling in love with conceptions. Right? Yes? Does that make sense? So we have a question from... What name did I give him? I forgot. S. Lester. S. Slater. Slager. From Peru. When we take japa as our only source of gratification, that is not material. Depends how you chant japa. If you think, I'm going to sit down and enjoy japa and become the supreme enjoyer of japa, the center of the universe of japa, and and throw Krishna out and just enjoy. I love to chant, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. I'm going to chant and get high. Yeah, then it's sense gratification. I'm going to chant to please Krishna. Then it's supreme sense gratification for you. It's real sense gratification. That's That's... You know, satisfying Krishna's senses is real sense gratification. But, you know, it's like anything in this world 
Anything on anything in this world you can do in the right way or a wrong way, a good way or a bad way. Right? So, you know, you can chant japa in totally the wrong way. And, you know, we can do a, a Bhakta Burfi with that, you know. Bhakta Burfi's chanting japa. What is he thinking? He's thinking, I'm chanting really good japa. I'm chanting japa better than everyone else. Actually, everyone else should learn from me how to chant japa. And I hope everyone's noticing how straight I'm sitting, how I'm pronouncing, how I'm not spacing out like everyone else is spacing out. And so it, it's, it's funny, right? Why is everyone else spacing out when they're chanting japa? Why aren't they concentrating like me? That's pretty funny, right? Because in order to think like that, you have to be spacing out. Right? You got that, right? You're not asleep. You picked that up, right? So now you're chanting japa, thinking, I'm the number one japa chanter. Only I am the one focusing on japa, although you're focused on the fact that you think no one else is focused on japa. That's what you're focusing on. And you're also focused on the fact, the so-called fact, that you think you're the best japa chanter that God ever sent to this planet. And that gets you into trouble. So anything can be misused. So just because it's spiritual doesn't mean it's going to be done in the right way. In and of its, you know, this is spiritual. Okay, it's spiritual. But in and of itself, not necessarily. Because unless you're in the right consciousness, then you can totally contaminate or misuse it. So we have a t-shirt, I'm Krishna's robot. Yeah. Ay, 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 is also used in Italian Spanish. Oh, is it? And my Swiss German father. Oh, okay, so it's not Jewish. Or is it? Okay, Kamania. Your assignment is, what's the origin of ay, ay, ay? Ay, ay, ay. I thought it was like Yiddish or something. Maybe it's universal, like okay, or wow. I've discovered that Okay and wow are universal words. Well, at least okay is. No woman would like to have a robot husband. We are making our husbands robots. They do all we want. They are robots anyway. Yeah, but just wait till Kali Yuga comes. There's going to be men's liberation. They're going to revolt against being robots. No more robots. We refuse to be robots. I was going to I, I is the Indian version in the South. I, I, yo. Okay. <laughs> okay. We cannot understand logically or philosophically what it means to fall from the spiritual world. The mind reasons in terms of time and space, which are limited. While the spiritual reality is not in the limits of time and space. The individual soul is always transcendental. Now, there's so many things like Prabhupada would say, um, Prabhupada would say often, um, you know, you can't understand now, but you will understand. You will understand. Here's my Buddhist aphorism. And basically, Prabhupada was saying this, you will understand when you understand. And that's all I have to say about that. You know, the bogus guru, right? Guru Maharaj, can you explain this? You cannot understand, but you will understand when you understand. And that, that means he doesn't understand. So he can't explain it. But there are definitely certain things where Prabhupada said 
this is beyond your adhikar, your level of advancement to understand because you're still conditioned. So you can't understand it. But try to understand it. That's, you know, we, Prabhupada won't just brush it off. You, you know, keep chanting and so forth and then you will, you will be able to understand. So that's a definite, uh, that's just something we have to accept, that, you know, due to our conditioning certain things we won't understand. And I think in in Prabhupada being asked this question of where we come from, I, you know, by the way he answered it, it seems to indicate almost like he almost like wasn't answering it. Like like this is like it's not in these three dimensions that you're going to understand this. And the more it seems, the more he answered the question, the more we misunderstood. So anyway, it's one of the. It's one of the interesting phenomena of Gaudiya Vaishnava Siddhanta that different acharyas may say different things, and there's room for that. But a lot of people outside ISKCON think that this is really foolish of us to think we were with Krishna, because nobody falls from the Vaikuntha. Where have we come from? How to live this illusion in the world can help us to grow in spiritual platform. Yes. Uh, for a devotee, there's no illusion, though. So, if you're in illusion, then there's no spiritual platform. So you have to get out of the illusion, at least philosophically. And so if you see everything According to Shastra, you're out of the illusion philosophically. And then you can now use everything for Krishna because that's what it means to be illusion, to use it for yourself. To use it for Krishna, then you're good. There's no illusion. Hare Krishna. Um, for me, it matters from where I fell down. If I fell from perfect spiritual world, where I had perfect relationship with Krishna, that makes me hesitate. I want to come back there, fall down from the spiritual world again. You won't fall again. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. But some things may not make sense. The Jewish is what? Oi, oi, oi. So, ai, ai, ai is a... Oi, oi. Maybe that's what she said. Oi, oi, oi. Oi, oi, oi. That's the way Jewish people complain, right? Oi, oi, oi. Oi! I have to start saying, Oi, oi! Ay, ay, ay! How is religious re related to German? Yiddish is descended from German dialect, not quite the same one that gave rise to modern standard German, but close. It's not related to Hebrew. Oh, interesting. Uh, however, it has borrowed a huge amount of words from Hebrew, especially related to the religious and traditional Jewish. So, ay, ay, ay is Yiddish? Was I right? And Yiddish is a, a combination of Hebrew and German. My parents spoke Yiddish only when they didn't want me to understand what they're saying. Ay, ay is also typical Russian. Okay. It's universal. It's like the Mahamantra. Ai, ai, ai is an 
exclamation which entered American pop culture from Mexican Spanish. Ooh, yeah, it sounds more Spanish in various ways. In informal conversation, this phrase means literally O-O-O and conveys a sense. So what is it? Is it Mexican or German? Conveys a sense of dismay. 1882, the popular song, Silito Lindo, included this phrase. So now I'm more confused than ever. And in Mauritius, they say, I yo mama. Go figure what that means. Something about you. Oh, my mother. Oh, your mother. Uh, mm. Yeah. All we believe that is rewarding, which is not Krishna, is only a creation of our mind. Croatia, we have aj, 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 ayo. Yeah. In Yiddish, it's oy vey. Yeah, that's it. Oy vey. That's it. Maybe that's what she said. So ay, ay, ay is Spanish. In Yiddish, it's oy vey. Well, at least we learned something today. Uh, even for criticism, we are fallen from the paradise. What is that? Who think that we were not with Krishna and fallen do not understand. Um, I don't understand. What is that? Who think that we were not with Krishna? That we could ever leave Krishna, be envious of Krishna, because we, we don't fall from prema. What does the Parampara say? Generally, come from Mahavishnu or Brahman. Generally, what's said, and then Prabhupada said, we were in Krishna, with Krishna and Leela. Hmm. Krishna fallen from paradise, yeah. But, you know, if you read the scholars about Christianity, everything falls into question about that. I'm not a scholar, though. According to my Google search, some think the phrase came from China and made its way to Mexico via Manila. Okay, now this is an important point here. The ayayay has evolved into an important discussion of what scholars do. They spend their time speculating endlessly on trivia like this. And I think... In the conversation about the fall of the jiva, Prabhupada kind of felt the same, that it was like, this is like going too far. So just like, kind of like, just, okay, forget it. Don't worry about where you came from. You're here. Get out of here. That's how he kind of ended it. Like, this could go on forever. Maybe you'll never understand. So the title of the class today is The Origins of Ay Ay Ay. Exactly. Um, Oh, you said Oive because you lived in New York for so long. Yeah, New York is just like the capital of Judaism in America. Uh, yogurt and pajama? Okay. 
Could I explain this a little bit more? What am I supposed to explain this? What is this? Did we explain it already? Uh, see, the problem, the problem is, I was reading a post by a devotee, and he was saying, the problem in Iskand is that different preachers are preaching different things. And it confuses devotees, and they think different preachers disagree with one another. And so this is one of those things where there is some disagreement. And the GBC actually wrote a paper, I think it's even a book, on the fall of the jiva. And even after the paper was published, which which concluded that we were with Krishna and we fell from Krishna and the spiritual world. That was the conclusion of it. Some devotees were not satisfied because they said, that is not what all the Gaudiya Vaishnavacharyas say. And at least we should mention that from what we can understand, Prabhupada did say we came from the spiritual world. He also did in some cases indicate that we fell from another position. But predominantly... He has written that we have, we're, we're, we were with Krishna, but that we should mention also other Gaudiya Vaishnavacharyas say something different. That was, and so even after they came out with a conclusion, not everyone was satisfied with it. So it's it's kind of a reality of 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 Gaudiya Vaishnavism that there'll be some different angles of vision. So now someone could say, well, if you don't believe you came from the spiritual world, you're lacking faith in Prabhupada. Although I've never heard anybody say that. And there are actually probably a fair number of preachers in ISKCON if you push push them against the wall with their hands up and say, okay, tell me, tell me, where do we fall from? Beat, I want to know for sure, where do we fall from? You fell from Brahman. You know, if you push them against the wall, it's like like, like in your private life, in your private heart, in your private... Like, where do you think we fell from? A lot of them say, well, I think we fell from Brahman, not the spiritual world. And say, well, why do you think Prabhupada said we fell from the spiritual world? I don't know why he said it. But he said the opposite also. So, you know, this is just one of those issues. And if you, if it makes more sense to you, like Krishna Karshan is saying, if it, if it makes sense to me if I fell from Brahman, because it doesn't make sense that I would leave Krishna, that I could be envious of him, that, you know, I'm up there, you know, playing with the coward boys, and all of a sudden, one day, where's so-and-so? Oh, he left. He went into the material world. Like, it's kind of like, hmm? Huh? Is that how it works? So that's what I would leave it at. Um, I'll leave it up to you. No, I think some people would say, well, you can't leave it up to, to the devotees. But... The reality is that within our movement, you won't necessarily get a consensus. And definitely, outside the movement, the consensus is the opposite. If you go outside of ISKCON, as far as I know, if you go outside of ISKCON, not one Gaudiya Vaishnav you ask would say that we were with Krishna and Krishna Loka in the spiritual world. They would say we originated in Brahman, or the marginal position, we're, we're, our origin is marginal. We come from that position, and then we can go up or down. So from that position we came down, some from that position go up. At once going, you'll never leave. That's what they would say. So that's 
why it confused the issue a bit, because it seems that Prabhupada said other things that are much different. And that also explains why some devotees who were Gaudiya Vaishnavas from birth, if you ask them, they'll say, we come from Brahman, because that's what they've studied, that's what they learned from the time they were kids. And some other God-brothers who've studied broadly uh, within ISKCON, outside, also feel that that's actually our philosophy. So that's something we have to maturely deal with and accept that there may be occasional differences like that. Um, if you delve into the philosophy, you'll, you'll sometimes find other differences. Usually differences between sampradayas, not usually within the same. And some differences that evolved uh, over time because of realizations of acharyas who added something. Sometimes you have that or understood it differently and add, contributed that way. But, you know, then someone may say, but if outside of Gaudiya, outside of Iskand, if they believe we come from Brahman, but we we go through Prabhupada and through Prabhupada's books. And, and so that's why in Iskand we generally don't say that because it's not clear that Prabhupada said that. Now, if you find someone who's preaching that we come from Brahman, you'll have to ask him. and said, how, how do you reason that in light of the fact that it seems Prabhupada said other things? You'd have to ask their explanation. There's an article in Back to Godhead about this and gives all the quotes for Prabhupada saying we were with Krishna. And it, you know, it, it recognizes the controversy and said, but you know, when you look at all the quotes, it seems this is what Prabhupada was saying. And then when I was looking at it, I was thinking, well, different acharyas sometimes offer different insights. Say so maybe this is an insight that other acharyas had not offered. But it's it's a little difficult or awkward to understand because Srila Bhakti Siddhanta, um, he he said that we've come from Brahman. That was his explanation. His disciples all say that, and they heard from him, and that's what they say. So it's it's one of those things that we have to maturely just evolve. We have to evolve to a point of maturity to be able to deal with this and not lose faith. And, and ultimately, as Prabhupada said, it doesn't matter. Here we are. We have the holy name. And if it was the 10th floor we fell from or the 108th. Prabhupada said, Krishna is everywhere. He gave an example. He said, yes, you met Krishna before you fell in this world, just like you must have met your father when he conceived you. I was like, okay. That means my father conceived me, but I never personally associated. So then that leaves you open to all kinds of ideas, doesn't it? Yeah, so Krishna's everywhere, so I must have met him because he's everywhere. He's the life of this, he's in the soul, he's the life of everything, so I must have met him. But the example is impregnating preg a woman. You met your father because he impregnated your mother. But it doesn't mean you ever met him personally. So he used it in that sense. So the, as you discuss this, it's just like, whoa. It's an interesting discussion, which could end up in like the same discussion we're having with the word I-A-I. We thought it was German-Yiddish, but we found out it was Spanish, but then we found out it must have come from China, but some say Japan. Hmm. Ay-yay-yay. Ay-yay-yay. Oy vey. I can't figure this out. <laughs>
Maybe we fell from oive loka. That must be the answer, right? Or was it ayayay loka? I'm not sure. Stay tuned for our next show and we'll determine, did we fall from ayayay loka or oive loka? And was that situated, that loka, was it actually full of Japanese people, Chinese people, or Spanish, Mexican people? So I think that was, I think, you know, Prabhupada didn't want us to like get too mental about about this. He wanted us to go out and save the world, not to get so mental about where all these conditioned souls came from. Okay, so on that happy note, we will end class. I hope you're not more confused than you started with. But if you are, there's always the next class. The next class is tomorrow on balance with Russian translation. And then we'll be back on Friday. And uh, I don't think there's anything going on today on my schedule. If there is. Okay, it's time for me to check. Don't go away. Yes, there is something on the schedule today. It's an appointment at the chiropractor. But I'm not going to televise that. It's not that interesting. But other than that, you'll have to wait till tomorrow. Okay. Hare Krishna to everyone. Srila Prabhupada Kije. Gold Premanandi. Oh, let's let's sing our song before we go, right? Should we sing it? I'm lower than a blade. Tolerant than a tree, giving all respect to others and not wanting any respect for myself. Chinada pisuni chena, torora Um, Amanina Manadena Kitani Asada Hari Kitani Asada Hari Kitani Asada Hari Okay, it's going to be a new style of kirtan now, right? Chanting verses and singing English. This is exactly the way the Sikh movement does it. They use those kinds of melodies, very folk music-y, common chord progressions. I like it. I think it's great. Okay, Hare Krishna. Jai Prabhupada.